Welcome to the Commercial Disco, a voyage of commercial discovery. The only show dedicated to exploring the commercialization of great ideas and research across deep tech and science, driven by the ambition of the people that make up Australia's unique innovation landscape. We talk to the greatest minds about what is influencing their work and their insights into the ingredients needed to bring great Australian innovation to life. Hello, I'm James Riley, the Editorial Director at InnovationOz.com. Welcome to this Commercial Disco episode. Today, I'm talking to the Queensland Chief Entrepreneur, Julia Spicer. Welcome, Julia. Hello, James. Lovely to be here. I'm looking at you on screen and you're in Gundawindi. I think you're the first Chief Entrepreneur from a regional centre. Gundawindi is your home base. And you're certainly very passionate about regional innovation. So. When you were appointed to this role, was that specifically what you wanted to bring to it? Just describe the role. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So I am the first chief who has lived outside of southeast Queensland and outside of Brisbane. And I guess I'm really conscious it is still a role that covers all of Queensland. But for me, each of the four chiefs before me have brought their priorities or their interests so obviously the regions are one of mine, how we make sure we have viable economic development, we've got opportunities to grow new industries, we've got opportunities to have a skilled workforce all across Queensland is really important, not just for those of us that live in the regions, but all of the rest as well. So certainly regions are important. I mean, this is an advocacy and championing role really around looking at what is it that we in business and in innovation need across Queensland? And so regions are a priority, but also if we look at what's happening across the state and really across Australia and globally, you know, we need to be attracting skilled workforce to our various startups, scale-ups, SMEs, industry groups. So I think often what we find or often the thing that people maybe don't understand is regionally and in more urban-based areas, the issues are the same. Access to smart people, access to support, whether that's capital or other sorts of resources, knowing what's on the horizon and being able to feel a sense of control as to where you're taking your business. You know, realistically, that's what we're all looking for when we're starting a new business or wanting to really scale what we're doing. I think the challenge is it's just heightened the more regionally or the more remote you are because your access and opportunity and connection into some of those kinds of solutions are further away and harder to find. So I think that's really the difference. And so I think if we look at what's on the horizon for us as a state in the next few years, you know, we are talking and working a lot around climate and decarbonisation and that creates a whole new opportunity for startups to start looking at how we are going to solve, how we're going to mitigate and maybe solve climate change, how we're going to manage for that, how we're going to measure and monitor all of the work that's going. So these targets that we're all setting, we know whether we're actually going to achieve them. I suppose it's an uh, exciting time in Queensland right now. You've got an Olympics coming up, so I suppose that's going to tip quite a bit of money into the state. It is interesting that you say that the issues are the same, access to skills, access to markets, access to support and capital. Let me ask you this. A lot of governments across Australia, state governments, have kind of focused on density, like setting up startup hubs and, and trying to centralise that 
support and the collisions of entrepreneurs bumping into each other in corridors and at water coolers somehow sparking new innovation. So that makes it a little bit difficult, doesn't it, if you're sort of a dispersed set of entrepreneurs? Yeah, it certainly does. And James, there's research that actually backs that up. So Dr. Chad Renando has done some work across Queensland, and I can get the information to you. But basically, what it says is that it costs a regional or rural-based startup, it costs $150,000 more and takes about two years longer to get to the starting line. So if we think about the problems that we're trying to solve at the moment, and we think about the parts of Queensland and really Australia who have been at the coalface of some of these problems like climate change, we've potentially quite literally had ideas die on the vine because they have run out of cash and time before they have been able to actually find their people. And so it does mean this piece of access and equity to the innovation ecosystem, I think, is really important. And so that looks like how do we connect people in? We don't necessarily need another building or shed in my part of the world, but we do need a chance to bring people together who are interested in different things. If formally we want to call that a community of practice or whatever we want to call it, but these hubs and networks can be virtual, but it is about how we can quickly tap people in to what's going on. So the connection piece is incredibly important and you're right. Gundawind is known for lots of things. A manufacturing hub is not one of those. So if we've got somebody here who's wanting to move into a new industry that isn't really represented in this part of the world, they need to know somebody locally that they can go to who might then have a connection into a manufacturing hub in Brisbane or something that's happening at Gladstone or Mackay. So the need for these really strong networks, whether they're face-to-face or virtual, is critical and really money well spent, actually, if we think about the ideas and the solutions to problems that are potentially lost because regionally based people couldn't find the right network to get their idea into. That's a challenge. So I am very interested to get into the energy transition stuff. We'll do that in just a minute. But before I do, so you started, am I right? You started in December. So you had a look under the hood. Just in terms of building those networks, you must have come into the job with some ideas and now you've come into grips with it. So how are you going to do that? It's a state government position, but are you looking for federal help as well as state help to build those networks? Including global help, James. I'm also the chair of Global Entrepreneurship Network for Australia. So, you know, globally, there's other regions in the rest of the world that are not dissimilar to Gundawindi who may have the answer for us as well. So I think that's part of being an entrepreneur, right? You go wherever you can find a solution. And so I have connections in central United States who are working in decentralized, low population communities who have got similar issues. So I'd go to Mars for an answer if it was what would be useful for me. So that's probably the first thing. And secondly, yes, it's a state role. But part of what it is, is also looking across various departments in the government to see who is doing some work. So if we think about the role of Department of State Development, Infrastructure, Local Government and Planning. They're actually one of the departments that has a massive footprint across regional Queensland. And so it's working with their department to look at, okay, well, what are you guys doing? How could we bring some innovation, which is what the Department of Innovation can bring? How can we bring some innovation to the work that you're doing? How can I support it with some of the resources of the Chief Entrepreneur's Office, whether it's staff or some funding, to really be able to amplify or to wind up the work that other departments are doing? So 
We're partnering with the Department of Environment and Science around some low-carbon accelerator programs. We can run accelerator programs and we know startups. DES has got some resources that they need to be able to look at how they're going to be able to have solutions, Queensland solutions for some of the challenges. So in some cases, it's also a partnering and networking role to be able to look at, well, what's happening and where do we go? So working across some of those other agencies within Queensland government to look at how we can help support the work that really we're all trying to do for each other. Okay. Where do you see the bright spots, particularly in regional Queensland? I guess a uh, tremendous history of agriculture and mining and resources and all of the tech and innovation that come through those industries. When we're talking about energy and transition, it would seem that a lot of those skills would be transferable in some cases, but also big opportunities for manufacturing, processing of batteries and all that stuff. Yeah, massive. And I think if COVID's taught us anything, it's taught us how we could be at the mercy of the rest of the world in terms of what we actually produce and manufacture in our own country. And so that creates some opportunities. It's hard to have a circular economy if we can't actually start it here. So there's some work that would be great to see happening in that space. Exactly as you say, we can learn, we need to get better at transferring skills and solutions across industries. And ag and mining is a good example. You know, you look at some of the work that's come from mining into agriculture around robotics and some of the autonomous work. Likewise, what's ag got that other industries could pick up on. I think the really important piece for me also is when we're talking about these communities transitioning to new industries, we need to make sure that the communities understand what that means and are brought along with so that we're not losing potential resources from the existing community because they didn't know what needed to happen. So some of the training needs to start now with some of the battery work, as you talked about, in terms of looking at how we're going to have fleets of vehicles that are hybrid or EV or whatever it might be, you know, we need to start looking at what does that skill set look like and actually start training now for some of that work. But I certainly think it's really exciting. If we look at agriculture for a moment, what we eat and where that food comes from is going to change drastically in the next 10 years and more so again in 20. So what does that look like in terms of who are the food producers and where are they? And what does that mean? You know, we've got horticulture producers who are starting to bring the modular farms in, who are starting to look at, you know, vertical farms and shipping container farms, basically. That's a long way from traditional farming for some people, but it's more efficient, it's less labour intensive, it's all of the things. I think what we eat and where it's come from will change quite a bit in the next few years. And I think we are well positioned to be able to look at how we solve this climate problem. If we look at where the spotlight or where the exciting things are, I do think it's in the climate tech space. I think Queensland could really put a flag in the ground around that. And I think following that through a bit, it does link to the low carbon work and and what needs to happen in that space. Yeah, it does seem that there would be a huge amount of the skills would be quite transferable. I know in New South Wales, in the Hunter Valley, around the, the greater Newcastle area, they put a lot of effort in this area, as I suppose Queensland is as well. University of Newcastle has played a big role in that. Talk to me about the regional campuses of universities in Queensland and what role they can play. Yeah, really good point. So we have got our chief scientist at the moment, Bronwyn Harch, is doing a lot of work across the universities to make sure that research can make it out into the real world. Realising the benefits of research is kind of what we're looking at. 
And so, again, when we look across the universities and particularly some of the regionally based universities, they're really leading the way through the future drought fund. So there's a lot of innovation coming through some of that work and particularly looking at how we can best match industry and research. And so Advanced Queensland does some work around that in terms of supporting fellows and having research fellowships that we fund so that we've got people who are researching a real problem and have found and partnered with an industry group to actually deliver on that. So this piece of research for the sake of it can no longer occur if we're not getting anything from it. And I think governments have done a good job to be able to match that with some dollars and some process to be able to get it out of universities and into industry and keep it going. And a lot of the universities still have some of their sort of accelerator programs. We're starting to see the unis digging more into some of the schools to be able to start running their entrepreneurial activities in schools, you know, school holidays and things like that to really look at this pipeline of who these skilled people are going to be that are going to be working on all of these problems. Talk to me about the National Reconstruction Fund coming out of the federal government, like there's a $15 billion pipeline of uh, co-investment dollars there. How are you engaging with that fund or are you still waiting to see the small print? As you know, we're talking on budget day today, so it'll be really good in the next 24 hours to start to look at what's coming. I think government has got lofty aspirations, which we need our governments to have. And I think that amount of money is the right amount to be attaching to the problems. You know, it's frustrating. You and I see it when it's frustrating when They identify that, yes, this is a problem and we're going to put some money towards it. And we all know that the money that they've allocated goes nowhere near scratching the surface of how we're actually going to solve it. So I think the concept's good and I think the amount of money that they've attached to it is actually realistic. What then we need to make sure is that, again, we have some very practical, solutions-focused people involved in the delivery. And I guess some of what we see then is how we need to make sure both as Australians and sometimes people in government, how do we manage this piece of we need to actually move and manage risk at the same time, but not let fear of failure stop us from doing anything? Because actually the worst thing would be is if in a period of time, two thirds of that money is still sitting in the bank. That's not where it needs to be actually. And I think broadly as community people, we actually need to get better at not lynching government every time something gets spent that maybe didn't get exactly what we thought because that doesn't happen in business either. And I think if we're wanting to see us have some solutions, we need to actually be prepared that some of this money will be spent and might not get an outcome. But the worst thing is that it actually stays in the bank. That doesn't help any of us whilst ever it's there. So I think we saw in COVID the the willingness for some governments to actually try some things to have a crack. And I would have loved for a lot of that to stay as business as usual. But we seem to have kind of moved back to our corners of a bit of risk aversion and have slowed things down again. And I'm not saying spend things willy-nilly, but there is a balance. and, And I think the pendulum swung back a bit far the other way again. So I think the authority is a great idea. I think we need to be able to look at how that works across other opportunities. There's a lot of work happening in Northern Australia and there's been a lot of money supposedly invested in Northern Australia. Where is that? How is it happening? So I think the concept's great and I think we need it. I think the Future Drought Fund is a really good option and it's there to support innovation in agriculture. I certainly hope that we get to a point where we're seeing some outcome as a result of some of this investment. 
Yeah, well, we'll wait and see. Julius Beisler, Queensland Chief Entrepreneur. Let me finish on this one. Safety culture was kind of out of the box for a software startup that's come out of regional Queensland, become a global powerhouse, really, is the best way to describe it, and has built an ecosystem around it in its original home base, but obviously has resources in CBDs as well. So firstly, talk me through safety culture. They're obviously not the only successful company to come out of regional areas. What happened where safety culture was founded subsequently? And can you give me some other examples of just smart tech that's come out of the regions? Yeah, sure. And so I haven't got the full background of safety culture, but I think it's a really good example where a problem was identified. Some people got around the table and said, reckon we can fix this problem. And then I think, you know, how we make sure people can access what they need when they need it is really important. And so that's grown and changed and evolved. And, you know, they've obviously needed to move to some bigger centers to be able to continue to grow that. If I use safety culture as an example, if we look at what they do around supporting the regions, speaking at events, connecting people into their networks, you know, still incredibly generous with what their role is in the broader Queensland innovation ecosystem. I think they do a really great job. And I think there's a really good opportunity there to always be learning about what would we need to do to keep you. But also, I think it's okay if people move, right? Like, I think we need to be okay with that. And the guys certainly give back and are incredibly generous to the broader innovation ecosystem. If we think about some other really cool stories or some interesting innovation and tech that's been used, you look at the work that Andrew and Jossie Bate at Emerald have done with Swarm Farm. So that's basically autonomous tractors in broadacre agriculture. So it's really important from an agricultural perspective that some of the work can happen in broadacre ag because then we can look at, well, what needs to happen in more intensive agricultural areas? Once we can get it to work on a 10,000-acre wheat farm, we can start looking at what that looks like on a 1,000-acre veggie farm, for example. So I think this swarm farm story is really exciting, and they're deliberately keeping their centres regionally. So they're Emerald, they're Toowoomba, and they're setting up in some regional areas across New South Wales. So I think that's another really good story. We look at some of the work that's happening in North Queensland. So far North Queensland have started like a food incubator. So how do we bring people together to look at what's happening and create some of those opportunities? And then if we look at regionally, I think of some of the examples up in the Torres Strait, particularly some of our First Nations startups are doing. They're looking at some examples between tourism, waste management and recycling and incorporating art. And so you've got somebody like Dennis Fay with Salty Monkeys, who's recycling plastic, melting it down into diving fins and using Torres Strait Islander artists to put their artwork on the fins. Is it going to become a unicorn? Maybe not. Is it providing economic development for a region that's sometimes got to create its own job flow and do the things? 100%. So I think this definition of success for our startups is also really important. Some of them will go on to be unicorns like the safety cultures and the go ones others will be i don't know what's the next thing down from a unicorn but you know the swarm farms and then some of the rest of us are still providing economic contribution in an innovative way to our regional areas and i think that's equally important james absolutely i love it thank you very much for that that's a great way to win this with such great enthusiasm people who are building economic value and providing jobs and creating community it's so important Julia Spicer, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Commercial Disco Podcast. Please like, subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you heard us. And please visit our website, innovationoz.com, to check out our reporting on tech, innovation and public policy. You can also follow us on social media to ask us any questions or to suggest a guest for the show. Until next time, this is the Commercial Disco wishing you a great week ahead.